This episode of the My Latin Life podcast is brought to you by BitRefill. BitRefill is the best way to spend your crypto in Latin America. Purchase gift cards or mobile refills from more than 3,500 brands in 186 countries instantly, safely, and privately. Visit bitrefill.com for more information. Welcome back to the My Latin Life podcast. Since 2014, My Latin Life has been your trusted guide to traveling and living in Latin America. My guest today is Jack Pittman. He runs a YouTube channel called Jack Pittman Nika, dedicated to expat life in Nicaragua. Jack, how's it going, man? Hello there. It is good to talk with another person. It's going well. (laughs) It's good to talk with another person as well. Uh, Jack, you got recommended by my audience. I, w- I was trying to think of more podcast guests because I'm practically running out. I've done 100 plus episodes and someone got recommended. Uh, someone recommended your channel. We haven't done too, too many episodes on Nicaragua yet. Uh, so we're definitely looking to get more insider info on uh, an expat's perspective on life in Nicaragua. Are you calling in from Nica right now? Yeah, yeah. I've lived in Nicaragua for a while. Uh, it's been like, I think I first came here like six years ago and I've been living here for five. Wow. That makes you an OG. Anything pre-2020 is an OG in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me- medium OG at least. Um, cool. Where where in Nicaragua are you based? Managua. So when, when I first came here, I lived in like more touristy area, San Juan do Sur, which is like, imagine like a college party town except just all the time and there's no college and there's beaches. That's, <laughs> that's what it's like there. It's, it's like its own bubble. Mm. Um, totally different. So I didn't actually like that, like it that much. I didn't feel like I was getting a sense of sort of what life is like for most Nicaraguan people. Um, and I, I personally have traveled my whole life. So I prefer to like get in the gritty with wherever I am. Uh, it's, it's what I feel we should be doing when we travel is exposing ourselves to these cultures instead of just hanging out with a bunch of travelers. <laughs> but good. but that, that's, right. that's just an opinion thing, you know? So no, I live in Managua. All, all my audience and, uh, is nodding their head in agreement. <laughs> it's good to hear. Managua is interesting though, because you could have done Granada or Leon or maybe Esteli, something like that, but you've done the big city. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so, so I, so I should be clear that, like in my work and when I speak with people, I, I speak with people who are much older than me. Normally, um, I mean, I came here when I was like 27, 28, but the vast majority of my clients and the people who actually watch this content from what I understand, uh, mostly they're part of this huge, huge generation of uh, people who can't really afford to retire in the developed countries. Um, and every year, like starting like three years ago, four years ago, we entered the retirement crisis. So it's basically when all the baby boomers are entering retirement age and it's putting a huge financial strain on the social security system. And, but everyone knows this, right? You've been told that it's going to collapse and all this. Um, so it's basically when I left the U.S., um, things have been so expensive that retiring was problematic for most people. People were having to accept that they weren't going to be able to retire when they expected, or they weren't going to be able to retire where they wanted to, or as close to their other family as they wanted to. 
this is sort of the reality of, as far as I know, most most American people who are of retirement age. So it's it's I'm just bringing this up because I I'll, I, I usually speak to that perspective, the perspective of being an expat, being a person who's lived your life, you've had a career, you've done whatever, and now you're trying to find a place to live a simpler life. But I just say that because for me as a person, this is where I started my life. So it's very different in that way. Personally, for me, like, uh, I like I want to raise a family in Nicaragua. I'm, I'm a person who's, uh, I've seen so much, how do I put it? Uh, when I lived in the US, I, I heard a lot about freedom, but in my experience and the way I saw people live, they didn't really have much freedom. I didn't have much freedom. I couldn't provide for someone. People didn't really care about me romantically unless I had a car and like a decent job. And if that fluctuated, my like romantic prospects fluctuated. It was just totally different. That was when I came to Nicaragua. Uh, it was like suddenly I could just exist and I just need to earn a couple hundred bucks to solve problems. I don't need to earn tens of thousands of dollars. There's so much less pressure in Nicaraguan society from like the locals to be like a career. Most people here are like, you have a job? Cool. <laughs> They're like, that's awesome. Like people's moms, they know I'm a YouTuber and stuff and they don't think less of me. Whereas where I'm from, it's like, Oh, YouTube's for cat videos. Like they, like my family asked me, they're like, how do people even earn money from you? Like they don't even like, they, they think it's like cool, but they don't like, they're not like, wow, that's really cool that you're doing that. Good job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just different. And, and I, I say Nicaragua, but I think in general, in Latin America, it's easier to find people who are just, you know, more sort of there. <laughs> so let's definitely continue on these themes of the freedom and also of the retirement crisis. Excellent, excellent topics. Before we do, uh, just because I don't know too much about you yet, Jack, where is your accent from? Uh, <laughs> that's complicated. Uh, I, I was born in Sri Lanka to an English father and an American mother. Huh. So I, I lived in the U.S. for like 10 years in the middle of my teenage years. So that's where most of my accent developed. But it's a hodgepodge of all sorts of crazy stuff. Ceylon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was born in Colombo. Colombo. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have the Sri Lankan passport or? Uh, sort of. I have like expired passports, but the way it works is you have to claim your citizenship by the time you turn 18. Otherwise, you just sort of lose that stuff. And it's really weird, honestly, in my situation, because countries in general don't. Well, OK, I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen. And the U.S. hates it when you have multiple nationalities. They don't really like whenever we traveled, we just act like we're a U.S. citizen when we're in the U.S. And then everywhere else in the world act like we're British. <laughs> And that worked well. <laughs> okay, well, British British Americans, a good combo, arguably almost the best combo. Um, very cool. Reminds me of this is totally random, but Sir Christopher Andache. Do you know who that is? He's like a famous Canadian explorer. The the name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. There's the that mid Atlantic accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pronouncing it wrong, but um, cool, cool. Yeah, I've kind of uh, anyway. So. Retirement crisis. Tell me more about this, because I kind of want to crack into this market 
a little bit more to be completely honest and, and selfish because a lot of the audience that I deal with, it's younger guys, it's digital nomads, it's um, people who are working online, doing well, they want to go to Colombia, they want to go to Mexico, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And I know that there's a big Shopping. group of retirees that can't re- afford to retire in the US. We've talked about it a little bit on on different episodes of the podcast before, uh, just because the cost of living is so high and you can't get there with social security alone. And most people just, you know, these days they say you need what, over a million dollars liquid to retire, whatever it is. Um, and most people yeah, just- Yeah, it's obscene. Eight lifetimes just, in Latin America. Yeah, people just, <laughs> exactly. So people just don't have that. And I think it's beca- going to become a bigger and bigger thing to retire in Latin America for the lower cost of living, simpler life. So we'd love to just hear more about what you're what you're seeing. Yeah, so I can just share my perspective, basically. Um, and so I'll share what I thought first that was wrong. So like uh, I got into the online earning world. And at first I was like, all right, when I'm consulting with people and teaching people stuff, it's going to be young people who are reaching out to me. That's what I thought, because I was like, well, I'm using a computer. I'm using these new technologies. It's going to be young people. But what I found is that this is a world outside of the system. It's a world of people who either have grown so fed up with the system and society that they've fallen out of the cracks or they've just gotten lucky and fallen out of the cracks. But when it comes to earning money online and, and this lifestyle, it, it's not normal. And most young people are still full throttle into society. They're very impressioned by the pressures they feel from their parents, from the, their themselves to be working and be earning enough and buy a house and be able to afford this. And uh, young people, especially now, have an inordinate financial pressure upon them. Um, it's, it's quite tragic. Hmm. And so are most people finding you from YouTube? Yeah, I basically... So I try and make YouTube videos with the sole purpose of the video itself has one clear message and it's start tries to stay like it's, it's teaching that one thing or maybe talking for 20 minutes about that one subject. Um, and then I found that by just doing that and sort of accumulating a bunch of these videos about useful things that people have asked me before people like that generates traffic basically. And then by in the video saying like, hey, you can consult with me or check, check whatever out. Um, if you do that, specifically in the end of the video, you're only talking to the dedicated people in your audience. Whereas if you do it in the first like, well, most the standard format on YouTube is like you have a call out in the first like 15, 20 seconds where you say your sponsor, say your monetization. And then like you do the proper one, you interrupt them like after two minutes. And it's usually kind of random, not, not related. But you can you can make it so that you, you don't really want to talk to those people because each each video is basically two sort of messages. Your one message is to be free and useful to all these people who just want to solve this problem and you're solving that problem for them and they need that. And then after that, there's going to be people who maybe one out of every hundred of those people who you helped, they're going to be impacted by what you did for them. They're going to feel like attracted to uh, more or they're going to want to learn more Jack. Yeah. Or, or whatever it is in this case. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I pitch a consultation service, which is like, 
just $20 for like a 30 minute talk basically. Um, but, and you can apply the same metric to anything. And I do that also for video games. So I, I love playing the game, uh, Valheim, but it's really challenging normally to earn money from games. Uh, but you can use the same method basically, where as long as you can create content that solves people's problems, and then you have some way to offer something valuable to some of those people that's directly, directly relevant. Not, not like some VPN, like directly relevant to the subject. That works really well. It's like an evergreen model that you can apply to, to many different things working online. And I, I love YouTube, honestly. I think YouTube should play a role. in if you're doing something online, there's a way to use YouTube to do it better most of the time, or at least learn how to do it better. This episode of the My Latin Life podcast is brought to you by Language Blend, the new best way to learn Spanish. Language Blend focuses on what you actually need to live and get by abroad with daily one-on-one -on -one lessons, a dedicated texting partner. It's like living in a Spanish-speaking country without ever leaving home. Go to languageblend.com for more information. Hmm. So tell me a little bit more about the, the situations that are affecting retirees, the questions and concerns that they're asking and, you know, kind of the FAQ, um, how your, you know, the common answers that you're giving. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a, a lot of it's just reassurance because uh, these people think that Latin America is a very, very dangerous place. Like if you were to make a movie out of what people who haven't been to Latin America thought about Latin America, it would be a really action-packed, violent movie full of like drama and issues and all these things. And, and my job really is to just be here, show I'm still here, and show that I'm happy. And that alone is so confusing to people that it helps unwind all of this nonsense and mess that they've been told. Because um, in Nicaragua in particular, I think many Latin American countries, they have this blanket of prejudice from the, the developed parts of the Americas. But Nicaragua in particular has a lot of, uh, there was purposeful propaganda made against Nicaragua let's say fairly recently. So, so people in the U S who are in their forties or fifties, they remember going through this stuff. Whereas a lot of the fuckery, sorry, that the U S has done in Latin America, a lot of the more intense parts were more maybe like 60, 70, 80 years ago. Whereas in Nicaragua is, is quite recent. Um, and we're, we're still involved and messing around. And it, that's, what's so sad really is when you, when you spend more time in Latin America and especially when you talk to locals and you start to just hear their stories. And it's so weird for me. Cause I mean, I know that millions of people are fleeing Latin America to go where I just fled. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You know, paradox. It's weird. It's yeah, it is. <laughs> it just shows you how it's all relative, but, but the, the, the part that I mentioned that it's disturbing for me is being here and seeing more to why, because when, when I wasn't in Nicaragua, it was easy for me to be like, oh, yeah, Latin America is just so dangerous. There's just all those drug cartels and all that horrible stuff. Of course, people want to leave. Um, and I, I underestimated our own country's 
militians, so to speak. I didn't realize that, that that's not just purposeful, but that, that's not just in the past, that that policy continues to this day. We, we still have a, a country, the U.S., that actively seeks to undermine progress in Latin America. Um, there's, there's horrific sanctions in various places in Latin America that do nothing but harm people. Uh, it's, it's a very tragic, and j- just to give some context, because people like U.S. people sometimes will consider me a bit conspiracy theory here, but let me explain that in, in Nicaragua, we, we I'm, I'm an American citizen, okay? So when I say we, I'm saying our government, this is what we did, whether we were supposed to or not. We were found guilty by the International Court of Justice on five cases, okay? Just, this is just one part of a huge series, decades of events unfolding. But this happened in the 80s, the late 80s. I think the case closed in like 87, something like that. So get this, we were found guilty by the International Court of Justice and we vetoed it. And then anytime a Nicaraguan politician brings that up, that we were found guilty by an international court of mining their harbors, instilling terrorism within their populace, distributing training resources that show like outright terrorism, not like light terrorism, like find somebody, kill them, blame the Sandinistas. We docu- like we distributed training resources documenting that kind of behavior. So we, uh, it's hard to make the case against us once you actually, or for us, once you learn the history and you look at the resources and the manuals, like you don't even have to read books. You can just look at what we gave these people, read it. You know, it's, it's, it's horrific. Right, right. So the U S does mess up stuff. Uh, I guess the real question is, do the Nicaraguans hold that against you? Or do you find that they hold that against gringos or are they kind of over it? No, no, not at all. And that's the thing that's so interesting about it is that for the most part, uh, the Nicaraguans I've met are the most pro-US people I've ever known. So that for me, that's heartbreaking because I come from the US and I know what my country's done to them. And I know what we currently still are interested in doing. Um, I've, I've lived in Saudi Arabia. I've lived in many different countries. I've, I've been all over the world and I'm not really as, as easily fooled by these things, let's say. But, but the reason I bring this up is because this is a huge part of retiring into Latin America. The main thing is this reality that you will encounter either you'll either consider it propaganda or truth or whatever you're going to encounter um, a lot of aggression towards you being in Latin America. It's, it's very hard for people to make that jump from living a normal life in the U.S., um, never leaving the country, to then moving right into Latin America. And so I mention all of this stuff about the propaganda and everything because you sort of have to know about this because if you don't, you're going to turn around and leave Latin America. And it's important to understand from a retirement perspective, the majority of retirees who go retire into Latin America return. We're talking about like between two thirds of the the time. Return where they're from. Where they're from, exactly. The, The majority of people 
who make the decision, I'm going to retire here, and they go through the government roles, they do everything, they do the official retiring, the majority of them do not stay across all Latin American countries. The majority of foreigners leave. So one of the... Do you have like an average timeline how long they end up staying? No, I, I, I've, I only learned about this through talking to um, the, the retirees who talk to me. And it's funny because like they, they pay me to talk to me, but I learned from that. Like I learned so much from, from all of the people I talk to. It's, it's amazing. But, but in general, um, yeah, they want to make like everything official. And sometimes they... It, 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 yeah, it's like it's it's. I, I understand bringing these subjects up. For example, it can be abrasive to people, but I, I try and do this on purpose in the beginning, early on, so because they're going to encounter that, and it's really going to be the thing that kind of determines: Are you able to keep living in the country, or are you going to keep exposing yourself to that perspective? Because I've met people here in Nicaragua who are convinced it's a horrible country and who are leaving. I've also met people who love it and think it's amazing. I've met like so many of every different side and circumstance. I've met Nicaraguans who are incredibly happy and have nothing. I've met Nicaraguans who seem really wealthy, but really miserable. Like it, it, it's just like any other country. There's a huge variety, but if you don't, if you don't understand the history and the context of what's going against the online image of Nicaragua, it will corrupt your experience in Nicaragua. And I'm only speaking from my experience here in Nicaragua, but as far as I know from comments online, this is also true in most other Latin American countries. Hmm. This is good. This is the raw stuff we want because really a, a lot of my fan base at My Latin Life, what they like about what I do and the reason they trust me is because we really give it to people raw. It's not... Maybe you know like in international living or live and invest overseas where it's the sort of romanticized version of things. Well, yeah, everyone's bit. trying to pitch the and, and that's the problem. That's why three or four people out of every five like go back. It's because they've been sold something that they don't want. They don't know what it is that they bought. Dude, I, I had this call with somebody. He didn't he wanted me to record a video of his house in progress, right? That he was building. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't tell me the address. He, he, he didn't know. It. And I was like, okay, whatever. So, so first off, he thought the guy who he bought it from had told him it was in downtown Managua, which makes it sound like it's like walkable in the capital, right? It's actually a 30-minute drive away from Managua. So that's the first flag. Other thing, this guy doesn't even know the address. I have to go to the compound and ask around to get his address. Like I find him his address, right? And so like that, that's why people have to be so careful because there are predatory institutions and people yeah, throughout Latin America <laughs> yeah, who are trying to, to rope in uh, people like this. And it's crazy what they get roped into. Like, honestly, like I, I, I didn't even know that you could like people actually buy property in another country that they've never been to without ever visiting a single town there. It blows my mind. I guess people just have a lot more money than I do. Mm. Yeah, we definitely recommend uh, like an exploratory trip before making a big move because what it doesn't really cost much to, you know, take a little one week trip down. You there. save money. 
Yeah. If you're, if you're yeah. living in the U.S., you literally save money just being in Latin America. Well, I don't know about other people. Maybe if you're really living it up here, but that's how it worked for me. Like I bled money in the U.S. I lived on the East Coast in Nova. It was like incredibly expensive. It was thousands of dollars for a room. Like just a room in like a crappy area. It was like it, mm -hmm. just so different than where I live now. So different. Yeah. And I guess what I meant is some people will be like, look, I'm going to spend six months in Colombia. Right. They're not maybe they're not buying. They're not retiring. But I'm like, you know, before you do the six month, pull the trigger. You might just want to go rip it for like one week. You know, there's yeah, a trip yeah. anyway. And that might change your perspective about what city you intend on uh, basing up in or like it, it, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. I mean, really, that's uh, it's blown my mind too talking to these people because I, I used to think like, oh, when, when people are in their 60s or 70s, they're not capable of frivolous behavior and purchases. But I've, I mean, I've talked to people who were like, I, I mentioned that like, hey, it's really better for you to like have the experience, go visit a place and purchase things based off of your feelings, what you felt. Did you like the place? Not just off of, because they're always like, how do I find the website with the deals? And I'm like, it's really expensive if you do it that way. And they're like, I don't care. Just show me the deals. And it's like, it's some of these people, they never actually retire. They're just very, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people struggling. That's the easiest way to explain it, especially after COVID and inflation. I don't even know how, how people are doing this. I, I've been here for five or six years and it was unbearable for me where I was living then. I can't even imagine. Like I've never had to deal with my rent going up in my life. <laughs> I've never had to deal with that. But everybody I know has. All my friends in the U.S. have. So it's like, it's so weird. So weird. Hmm. How much are you spending per month in Nicaragua? My whole life is like between seven hundred dollars and thirteen hundred. It really depends. Depends what's going on. Sometimes I overspend a bit, but it's overspending is yeah, thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. It depends because I don't. I, I don't have like an always regular income. So sometimes I might not have much income for a month or two. And other months I have more. Um, cause I don't just work like regularly, I guess. So yeah. that, that obviously influences how I behave. <laughs> how much hang on rent? $325 for a fully furnished two bedroom house with like a yard that's big enough for me to grow stuff and practice permaculture and have chickens. Full house. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Like, the thing that was missing from my life before was plants and animals. I'm, I'm so happy. Like I, I can be around unhappy people. It doesn't matter. I just have the things that bring me joy and fulfillment and make my life feel worth living. And it doesn't matter what happens or who I lose or anything because this experience has been so enriching. It's shown me what humans are supposed to feel like we're supposed we're like, we're all like, have you ever seen those things? with eggs and chickens and they're all in cages and it's all horrific. That's how I look at most people. We're like that. We're so sick that we think that all these diseases and these things happening and the way we all die is normal, but it's only like that because we are in this, this thing that makes us sick and takes from us and takes and takes and takes until we die. And the irony is unlike chickens, you can just 
leave. Like you can just change your life. You can go do something else. You can meet other people, right? But it, it's really tragic, especially once once you sort of get out, so to speak, you're cursed. It's just like Plato's cave. He says that you you see the light and then you go and you try to share it with people, but they're like, no, no. And, and, and it's such a bizarre experience to have this profoundly powerful, life-changing uh, thing that just like for me personally, all of my troubles were separated from my generation, essentially. Like now all of this stuff I learn about, I know about because I watch YouTube videos and I call my friends in the US. If I didn't do that, I would have no idea about any of the crises or cost of living or any of that stuff. No clue. It's just so chill here. And like, as long as you're able to be in your house, like if you're a person who needs to go out all the time and you like to, to, to not stay at home at all, then maybe it doesn't work. Maybe that's why this works for me because I love to be at home and make YouTube videos and leave the house once a day. It's like go get lunch or groceries or something. And it's a really happy life for me. But, but I, I say this with a grain of salt because as you mentioned, there's a lot of content online that's hyping people up, getting them to be like, yeah, you're going to love it. 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 Pay me. And then they bounce. Hey guys, quick interruption to tell you about BitRefill. BitRefill is the best way to convert your crypto into gift card balances. These are gift cards that you can spend at Hotels.com, Airbnb, Nike, and many more. You may remember Joel Valenzuela, previous podcast guest. He's been living on crypto exclusively since 2015, and he's a big consumer of BitRefill. And so I asked Joel, I said, what do you like most about BitRefill? He said that he likes the instant delivery, the precise amount so that you don't have to juggle a lot of gift cards, and he loves the global selection. Nobody else has this much selection of gift cards, over 10,000 gift card options across hundreds of countries. Go to bitrefill.com to sign up, and you can also use the code MYLATINLIFE for 10% back off your first purchase. Go to bitrefill.com for more information. And then so we've done a bit of that. Let's, let's you know. keep working through the, the FAQ because the some of the audience will know international living, live and invest overseas. They're kind of these like websites slash newsletters, really mostly for retirees and to kind of be like, you know, better life in Nicaragua, better life in Portugal, whatever. Yeah. And I think they do a good job in a lot of ways, but they definitely don't emphasize the cons enough and it's just all pros, pros, pros. Um, and um, so let's kind of like work through this, the pros and cons or the FAQ a little bit more. Where do you yeah, want to? Yeah, sounds good. Where do you want to start next or go next? Let's see. Um, uh, I, guess, I guess just just to be clear, there was a point earlier about I was I was saying how I was surprised that people weren't younger, right? <laughs> but I, I didn't connect that dot. Uh, sure. So, so what, what I found is people in general online, the the people I've talked to who are really successful, earning money online and retiring, whatever it is, because retirement in a Latin American country and earning money online are surprisingly related, right? So when, when I talk to these people, what I found is that um, they're, they're much older and they've oftentimes been through a lot. And what determines, at least from my perspective, just to close this point, 
what determines whether they're happy with their lives um, in Latin America or in the retired place seems to have more to do with how unhappy they were where they lived before, if that makes sense. So like mm -hmm. if they were already pretty happy and they're trying to retire into Latin America, chances are maybe they're going to come back. But if they were really miserable, looking at other people feeling like everyone had so much more freedom and money than they did, they might be quite happy in Latin America. Does that make sense? Right. It's more escaping than thriving, I guess. Yeah, it's just important to understand that there's... It, it, it's everybody will get excited when they first go to a country that's pretty and cheap. <laughs> like basically everybody will. So, so this period of time, you need to acknowledge it exists and understand you're in this excitement phase where you're abusable <laughs> because you're, you're excited by everything. You, like when you take a foreigner, let's say someone from, I don't know, California, and you bring them to Nicaragua, you can show them a house and offer it for four times its value, and they will think that is so holy shit cheap. And so people abuse that. And it's really important to, to understand that you sort of need time in the country to, to put your rose-tinted goggles down and to face your demons <laughs> that you're running away from. You know, because ultimately you're gonna have to face those same sort of problems. Your life will settle down, the discomfort, the, the, the change will fade, the, the, the novelty of it will fade, and then you'll be you again in this different place, right? So what you're running away from has a lot to do with whether you stay where, where you're going, right? Mm -hmm. it, and so you, I, I assume learning Spanish is, is a big piece of the puzzle? It can be. It really depends, like... For me personally, I, I learn when like I need to do things and I learn by being around people and everything. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say that like learning Spanish solves all the problems because that's really just something that's gonna happen when you live there. And the reality is that people are just bad communicators but no matter where you live if you live in latin america or if you live in england or india wherever you live most people put minimum effort into communication so what i found at least is that there's times that i have thought ah yeah this would just be easy if i learned spanish but then i learned the spanish and i find that even when you can communicate there will always be these kind of recurring problems like in my life for example because i'm very obviously foreign People, local Nicaraguans will often assume I know nothing about plants or fruits or anything to do with that. And it's just one of the examples of how they have these, these uh, sort of stereotypes, right? And they'll apply them to you and sometimes very intensely. Like I have, I have birds, right? And so sometimes I'm walking around and I find fruit outside and I pick it up because I feed it to the birds. But multiple times in different places, people have seen me picking up the fruit and it's like clearly rotten and with maggots and stuff. And they're like, no, 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 don't eat that. Like, they're like, that stupid foreigner, he's going to eat the fruit. You know, it's just, it, it's funny how, how all these dynamics uh, play out, you know. Hmm. What are some other things that people tell you about Nicaragua, maybe sort of um, uh, perception versus reality on the ground? 
people tell me about Nicaragua? Like, you mean people who live here? People or, who want to live here? Locals, foreigners? What do you mean? Yeah, a little bit. I guess the, the question wasn't super clear, but um, I guess in general, uh, perception versus reality in Nicaragua. Ah, okay. Um, I, I'll just share how I look at it from my perspective. Obviously, this is very wrong. I'm making generalizations about like 7 million people, so bear with me. Um, as far as I, I can speak from, I can speak from the foreign perspective on Nicaragua and what I've learned about the locals' experience growing up inside Nicaragua, having level, never left the country. From my perspective, regardless, Nicaragua is an amazing place to live and you should earn money online and live here. Like that, that's what I truly believe as the, the ultimate key to having an easier, healthy, happier life. And it doesn't matter if you're a foreigner or if you're a local. It, it just kind of like, if you're a foreigner, you have to get over all those things and actually come visit and then see how you feel when you're here. And most people will never do that. So that covers most people. But then if you're a local, it's kind of the opposite. So I mentioned before, there's all this propaganda and stuff. And it's, it's very complicated. But every time we, I'm saying me, like a Westerner, I'm a, I'm a white person, I'm a white man, right? Anytime I'm like, I have a privilege. I am an American and I have material. I have things that other people don't have and I should be grateful for this. This sounds good to us. It sounds like we're being respectful, like we're being humble. But these people have heard that their whole lives. They've been told that they are less. They, they weren't told that directly, but every single opportunity for any media or any movie that they saw, it was white people, Western, English, American stuff doing this. And so the propaganda is very, very powerful, especially in young Nicaraguans. They, they have no sense at all of what, what the U.S. has done here, uh, really, like, like no sense. And for most of them, they look at me and they're like, why are you in this shithole country? They, 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 they don't get it. Like they can't, they see that I'm smiling and happy and they're, they're not, I'm not treated bad at all. I'm treated very, very well. Nicaraguans are really friendly with me, even like strangers, police, like honestly, I, I'm treated really, really well here. But that being said, there are these interactions where I can tell they're genuinely confused. They don't understand. And to add some nuance to this, these same similar interactions I've had with people, I'll look them in the eye and I've told people, I've told Nicaraguans, like in Spanish, that you can find a job online paying $5 an hour, working part-time, and that's actually quite easy to do. That's, that's, not a, that's not a thing you need to be very skilled or talented or useful to do. And for them, they're like $5 an hour? No way. Impossible. Way too much money. They look me in the eye and they tell me, no, nobody will pay us that. We're Nicaraguan. You don't understand. You don't get it. We're inferior. They don't say the inferior part. But I know that's what they're feeling. And it breaks my heart for me Limiting to be grief. able to just come here and have such a beautiful life and to be treated so well. And for the very people who make this country and who made the circumstance that has made this bubble that I live in, they, they're young people are, 
they hate it. They hate their government. They hate their parents. And it, it's just so sad. Like, like I, I wish we were better, you know? Like, like this whole this democracy and stuff, I wish we were diplomatic. I don't care about democracy. I just wish we talked and we were honest and we said sorry. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like, Jesus, what kind of family values do we get from our government? I've learned that all you have to do is just keep getting a credit limit increase. It doesn't really matter if you don't manage your finances properly. And just join the military and grow that because it doesn't really matter if you're contributing to foreign problems. You'll never really have to deal with that. You know, and it's just like, it's just sad. I won't go too much into that, but I get sad about these things because of how happy. It feels unfair. Like it feels wrong that I'm able to be here and be so happy. And these the very people that are here, like they could do exactly what I do. They can earn money online. I My YouTube account is in the identity of a Nicaraguan person. Like I know with damn certainty, I, I've, I've set up payment accounts for Nicaraguans. I've, I, I know with absolute faith that it's totally possible for them to earn money online and that it's actually more likely for them to succeed versus a US person because a Nicaragua person only needs to bring home $100 to show their family and their family will get on board and can support them. But an American cannot do that. A US person can't be like, hey, I earned $100 selling stuff on eBay. The mom's not going to be like, all right, drop out of college and you figured it out. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's, uh, right. it's very different. Higher. But everyone has limiting beliefs around this, you know. People, oh yeah, real earning sixty k think earning hundred k is impossible. People earning hundred k think earning five hundred k is impossible. So, um, yeah, we all we all have weird numbers in our head that are almost impossible to overcome. Um, yeah, yeah, there's always a reason, right? Yeah, Jack, tell me about the freedom. In what ways are you more free in Nika than you would be in the U.S.? It has a lot to do with my interests, to be honest. Um, like, I'm a person who likes, okay, I like playing video games. I like growing plants, and I like taking care of animals. I, I want to study permaculture and make food forests and finance that, and that's what I love to do. I didn't even know about any of that when I lived in the U.S. because I couldn't ever afford to have a house or a place that had land to pre not, the, the best I ever got was when I rented a room in a townhouse and that townhouse had like a basement that the person would let me use the yard in to garden sometimes. I, I just wasn't around. I wasn't in the environment. I couldn't even legally have chickens, which are what if I look at the past two years of my life and I ask myself, what's the single thing, the sort of decision, so to speak, I made that brought me the most joy, happiness and fulfillment it's getting chickens. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it, it, it really has helped me a lot having these things to take care of and seeing how they, all my food waste is no longer waste. It is now eggs and fertilizer for all the plants that I love to make. It just removed all the organic waste from my life. They're, they're really fascinating creatures. And again, this is just all stuff that for me, I, I'm not a landowner. I'm a renter. I, I'm someone who lives paycheck to paycheck. I'm not somebody who's figured out my life. I, I'm a young person who's taken a gamble that I'll never retire. So I may as well set up a day-to-day -day life that I'm happy living until the day I die. 
I'll work an hour or two every single day for the rest of my existence. And I'm okay with that. I want that. But in order to do this, in order to set this whole life up, I needed all these resources. I needed all this free time. I needed all this lack of pressure. I needed all the support. Didn't have the support, but if you isolate yourself, it doesn't matter. You can support yourself, you know? And all these things couldn't happen when I lived in the U.S. because I had to work so much. Like, you, you don't... It, it's impossible to describe what life is actually like to somebody who feels that they must work 50 or 60 hours a week because... At the end of the day, I, I know a lot of people will be like, no, it, you know, there's reasons to work. And don't get me wrong, there are reasons to work. But life is short. And it's, it seems remarkably foolish to work for these, uh, these companies. Let's say, I mean, I'm not saying all companies are bad. I'm, they're not. But it, it seems odd for me that we're willing to give up the best years of our life spend more time with our coworkers than with our family, the people we love, our friends or ourselves, and then retire when we're dying of heart disease. And it's like, that's, that's the picture. That's what's happening. And it's not changing. We're not going to solve these problems. If we were going to, they probably would have been solved in the past 50 years that have been happening. They're not even acknowledged. So it's, it's, it's just this, you know, it's, it's intense it's hard to keep track of that's awesome that's awesome and so one more time why are you in managua instead of like a smaller town where you'd have even more nature and things would be even more chill Ah, oh, well i do i do want to i do want to like this is my staging zone so to speak <laughs> so i can accumulate everything and like resolve my personal demons and all that and then get a permaculture property where i actually purchase the property but that, that requires money and diligence and all these things, right? Okay. What's so this is like my place. Permaculture is like, uh, um, it's like the answer to everything. But what you think of as farming isn't farming. It's just monoculture. It's a, a one specific uh, method of highly destructive farming that destroys the planet. The irony is that you can actually farm and get loads of food and not fuck the planet up. And that's what permaculture is. Okay. So it's basically like a, a way of tree and a mango tree. And I idea. imagine that, but instead of just mentioning three plants, there's a hundred plants in that little <laughs> four square foot area. Like you pack in permaculture, you pack so many plants into the situation that it's impossible for something else to grow. So that's how you control it. There's no room. So it's impossible for the weeds to be there. Uh, Where would they grow? There's already vines there. There's already plants there. There's chickens that kill everything. Like, it's not possible. Okay. You, <laughs> so you that, smoke weed? A, What's the weed situation in Nicaragua? It's weird here. It's So weed is illegal, but it's pretty chill. I, when I first came here, I didn't smoke, so I was worried of getting in trouble. But then all my local friends smoked weed and stuff. So you can, you can get weed here. It's lower quality. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, if you are in a car, you might have trouble with police. $40 bribe, that, that'll go away. That's it, basically. That's the weed situation. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Quick break from the podcast to tell you about Language Blend, the best new way to learn Spanish. Language Blend was co-founded by Jake Nomada, friend of the podcast, 
decade of experience in Latin America. And Jake and his team, they put everything into this program that they wish they had in terms of how to level up quickly with your Spanish language skills. Because the faster that you can get conversationally fluent in Spanish, the better the experience that you're going to have in Latin America. So go to languageblend.com for more information. Cool. And if someone was considering Nicaragua versus somewhere else in Central America, how would you sort of like break down the the trade-off of uh, different different countries? I, I honestly can't answer that. Like I, I've just lived in Nicaragua. Um, so it, for me to answer that, I have to project my experiences onto, there's so many other countries in Latin America. I haven't even been to, I've never even been to Mexico. Like I, I don't, I've been to Costa Rica and it struck me that it was, it felt like I was in the USA. I didn't feel like I was in a foreign country. But then when I left the main city, it felt like I was in Nicaragua. So I was like, what the hell? Whereas Nicaragua is very, it's, it's like more rural. But I, I honestly, yeah, I, I can't, I can't give enough context. I haven't experienced other countries here. Um, the only thing I can imagine it would be other countries. It's all about your relationship with the propaganda from that country, how that makes you feel. So if there's less <laughs> propaganda from that country, maybe that's easier for you. And Nicaragua is a country with heavy, consistent, even to this date, propaganda. So Let, let's talk about that because I think that is related because all the other countries in Central America are sort of similarly, I guess, more capitalist, you could say, in the Nicaragua has kind of like a different vibe where there's kind of a dictator. And and as you mentioned, there, there's a, a layer of propaganda. I know you mentioned earlier in the episode, can we just kind of take one more crack at explaining like what, what, what we're yeah, really talking I about? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's hard. Like I remember what I thought and like words like that, like dictator. I, I remember that perspective. But living here in Nicaragua, uh, I've seen infrastructure grow. I, in the, my five or six years here, I've seen programs the government runs for poor people to give them housing and food. I've seen actual changes. I, I talk to like the homeless people in the street and that kind of that situation hasn't seemed to have gotten worse. It's not like where I'm from in the US where it's, it's literally like like you, you can't always just talk to homeless people. Sometimes they're so drugged that they'll like, they're aggressive. It's like, like I, I've, I've never been in that situation here. People are always like friendly with me and, and, and chill. Um, and so it's just so heavy. And I can't tell you, I don't know why. I, I, I know what we've done and it's disgusting. Like, uh, really it's disgusting it's un. there's no way to justify it i think maybe that might have something to do with it because in general we have a policy of never apologizing but it's easier you know that sunk cost i think that's the phrase it's like once you've put effort into something and you've made such a fool for yourself you have to just keep it going you can't stop you know and and i think in some ways what we're watching unfold, because it's not just in Nicaragua, the, the U.S. right now is more propagandized than it was in the Iraq wars, the Afghanistan wars. We, we're in an era right now that has very heavy war propaganda. For sure. 
So it overall, everything's pretty intense. pretty chill, and you don't notice it too much. And or like- I, 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 honestly, man, I, I consecutive over and over again, I learn about a government here that cared about poor people. I, 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 it's if I just told you it's chill, that wouldn't describe it because then that would imply that I see a similar way of governing people that I saw in the U.S. But I, I don't. The police here, like, yeah, the media and stuff has made people more scared of police now, but they are nowhere near as scary as U.S. police. U.S. police are fucking terrifying, and they can kill you, and it doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter. They might lose their job, maybe. Like, it, it, that doesn't happen here. It's really, really rare. Police are not that violent. They're literally trained that you should never engage with another person alone, ever, 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 ever. And I've even seen them arrest people. And they do not do that whole thing the U.S. does with like one or two cops in a car. Like you ne- That is not a thing here. When they arrest someone here, they send fucking 15 police officers. They just surround the person and it's impossible for them to... Like they can't even, they, they, there's no way for them to do anything. Right. And that's it, what I'm, uh, that's why I'm, I'm getting like this. Cause I, I'm witnessing maybe why the propaganda is so thick because I, I've seen here that the poor people are happier. There are poor people, they have less material. And at first I was very shocked, but having lived in Wheeling, West Virginia in the U S it's different here. There's not actually that much poverty in Nicaragua. There's what the West would call poverty. But when I say poverty, I mean like people who really, they can't afford to eat. They don't have enough. They're getting illnesses because they're not getting enough protein. Like that is what I call poverty, right? Like your, 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 your life expectancy is really down because you're not getting the right food. Okay. Um, here living in the capital, I don't see that much stuff. I don't even own a car. I walk around. I, I visit. I lived in Bataolo, which is like a, a cheap kind of, not dangerous, but it's like a place people don't want to live. Like I lived with the people there. Like I rented a house for like $100 and it, it showed me that people in general here are truly more peaceful. Like they, 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 yeah, there's more alcoholism. There's more problems. And if you look on the media, there's all this propaganda and crap. But if you look at the way people actually live, they know how to have a conversation. They sit in front of their houses at the cooler parts of the day in the afternoon and just let life come and talk to them if it wants to. Like this is a, a people in general, they're just they're just more chill. Like they're, they're probably not going to show up on time. It's okay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um my episodes are typically a little bit longer, almost close to an hour and a half. Uh, pretty insane. The thing is, I do have to go in like two minutes, uh, as I mentioned to you before we hey, started yeah, recording. You, you told me earlier. Yeah, yeah, I just say it on the on the recording because people are like, "Did he not like Jack? I was feeling that episode. Why did he cut it short?" I do have to go. My bad, because I like th- th- this is a pretty sick episode, and I really like a lot of your perspectives. Um, I guess I sound like a hypocritical Westerner that, you know, can't be no. whatever. <laughs> no, I mean, you're talking to people. You're you're letting people share their stories and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, and of course, thank you so much for sharing your story, Jack. Um, really cool to get more intel on Nicaragua and we'll, we'll have to have you back on the podcast or, um, find ways to collaborate in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy. But please, uh, Especially take now a minute. this is more, more general, right? So we can figure out something more specific, or maybe if your audience wants something in particular, we could talk about, I love doing this kind of stuff. It's uh, very enriching for me personally. Yeah, absolutely. We can do a whole episode on permaculture if you want. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you just take a minute and tell the audience how they can get in touch with you or anywhere that you would like to direct their attention to. Uh, Yeah, so I make YouTube videos just when I feel like talking about something. Um, But I also have this course that's for free on YouTube. Basically, I have lived here for a while. I had been talking to retirees and then I had this database of all the questions they've ever asked and anyone ever asked me on YouTube. And I just put it in a document, typed all the answers out, narrated it, and then added chapters and put it on YouTube. So it's this like two hour thing that you can just look at a table of contents and get the answer to exactly what you want. And it's stuff like, like, okay, how do I pay my bill as a foreigner? Like, how do I find clean water? All, All this stuff that you think is hard it's, it's not at all. And that's the whole point of the course. It's like, you know, any, any local Nicaraguan person could do this, but they just think they can't. And they think these things are normal. But foreigners are like, I don't know. I, I, uh, there's nothing in Nicaragua. Meanwhile, Nicaraguans are like on their LTE, on their cell phones, with their Wi-Fi everywhere. And they're like, what? <laughs> good, funny. good. So guys, but, uh, yeah, so you can just go to YouTube, look for Jack Pittman. And then uh, I also offer a consultation. That's uh, a paid service. It's twenty dollars per thirty-minute talk, and you can just go to Calendly.com/slash/JackDermottPittman. But if you want to learn more about that, just look for Jack Pittman on YouTube. You'll find it. Sick. Well, this has been another episode of the My Latin Life podcast. Again, my guest today, Jack Pittman, uh, at Jack Pittman Nika is the URL on YouTube. Thanks again for doing this, Jack. Appreciate your time. Yeah, it was a blast. I'm looking forward to our next one.